put a hurting on your ass, man, you know. They really degrade you. White folks don't believe that shit, don't believe cops degrade. Oh, come on, those beatings, those people are resisting arrest. I'm tired of this harassment of police officers. Cause the police live in your neighborhood, see? And you be known them as Officer Timpson. Hello, Officer Timpson, going bowling tonight? Yes, uh, nice pinto you have. <laughs> Niggas don't know them like that. See, white folks get a ticket, they pull over. Hey, officer, yes, glad to be of help. <laughs> Nigga got to be talking about, I am reaching into my pocket for my license. Because <laughs> I don't want to be no motherfucking accident. Police degrade, I don't know, you know, it's awful. You wonder why a nigga don't go completely mad. <laughs> you know, you do, you get your shit together, you work all week, right? And then you get dressed, you make, you may say, can't make $125, we get $80, if he lucky. <laughs> right, and he go out, get clean, be driving with his old lady, going out to a club, and police pull over. Get out of the car, that was a robbery, a nigga looked just like you. <laughs> all right, put your hands up, take your pants down, spread your cheeks. Now, what nigga feel like having fun after that? <laughs> this is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, nonconformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane defying God. I'm your host, Daniel White Hodge. Now this week, we're looking at Childish Gambino, AKA Donald Glover, in his video, This Is America. This video has many, many, many levels of interpretation, symbolism, theology, racism, and the construct of what it means to be black in America. What I've done is sat down with two individuals and we have conversations in regards to what this video actually means for us as blacks, as whites, as Latinx. And these two individuals have some unique perspectives that I think we need to hear. My first guest is Dr. John Ivan Gill. Dr. Gill is a mush pot of flavors, styles, and ways of life. As a secular theologian, he implements faint to explicit words of ultimate reality outside of any faith tradition. Attesting to the fact that the idea of God is not the prisoner of religious worship, or that God is more than religion or religious worship. As a philosopher, John directs his interest in post-structuralism, process thought, existentialism, and philosophical theology toward his own interpretation of the universe that he continually develops. I thought it'd be interesting to have this brother on. He's an MC. He's involved in hip-hop culture. He writes raps. He breaks things down from a hip-hop perspective. He's an avid scholar of Whiteheadian process thought, metaphysics, cultural studies, aesthetics, existential philosophy, and constructive and secular theology. Dr. Gill synthesizes Whiteheadian process theological and philosophical concepts on the idea of God with the aesthetics of underground rap. Oh, and did I mention he's an MC? 
Dr. Gill has a unique perspective as it pertains to what Gambino is after in his video. But, but yeah, man. I mean, when when I when I when when I saw it, because I, I had to watch it again to really to really let everything yeah settle in. Yeah, you know, because because I was like, am I really seeing what I think I'm seeing? You know, right. you know, and 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 it was it was it was phenomenal. And and see. There were commentaries about it, and I tried to stay away from those because, I mean, a lot of my work is in symbolism. So I try to make my own conclusions. I try to figure out what, what the symbols could mean for myself without too much mediation. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. I mean, I mean the, way, the, way the, the way the thing starts off, you know, what I mean, a person in a chair. I, I, I first thought that dude was Wyclef. I, I later, later, later found out it wasn't Wyclef, but it looked like him at first, you know. <laughs> then you see this guy playing a guitar for like 30, 40 seconds. Then the music's playing. Then all of a sudden, Childish Gambino comes, comes back and shoots him in the head. And then you hear, this is America. Right. And, and I was struck because this is exactly what America is. Right. You know, I mean, this, this whole idea... Of America, because because first of all, America doesn't really exist. America is simply a social construction on 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 land that was here, that, and people were here. So and I, and see, I like the way this thing is set up from front to back because especially from the from the beginning toward almost the end, you see Charlie Gambino playing a role, and then he's escaping from the role at the end, at least in my reading. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so. I mean, I take that to mean personally, well, America is simply an act. And we are actors in the movie, which is America. Yeah. We can, we can, we can, we can get out of it. We have to snap ourselves back to reality. But, but, the, but the whole thing about oppression is that as soon as you're aware of it, there's a part of it you're not aware of. Exactly. So even, though, even though you're escaping from this thing, do you really escape? <laughs> mm. Well, I mean, I thought it was. In, I mean, you so you know, at the like you said at the beginning. I mean, I think that's you first see. I mean, when I first saw it, in fact, I didn't even catch it until I went to Twitter and somebody was asking childish Gambino. Child. I was like, what? What? Okay, what happened? And somebody said, dude, have you seen this? So I was like, all right, let me take a look. So it's starting off. It's you know got the little guitar right. player and like you said, then when he cuts back, I was like, why does he have a thing over his head? And then when he shoots his brow, I was like, man, it's like on one end. You have black entertainment society, you have black bodies, and they're this amazing right. entertainment. And then on the other end, it's just it's okay. Like let's t- actually let's take better care of the gun than than the person. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Exactly. That was very striking. That part. <laughs> right. That part. You know. And it's and it's funny because with 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 the whole gun part. If you look at what they do, they now 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 there's also a part of preservation, but the other element is they make sure they they don't put their hands on the gun. Yeah, his fingerprints are on it. Right. Yes. Oh, brother. Yes. Yes. Like that. And I said, if if that's not if that's not the U.S., what is? You know, I mean, because because it's like, look, you know. Bodies of color, you know, specifically Afro-Diaspora bodies in this instance, you know, every time we try to raise up and every time we try to call for injustice, it's, it's our fault. Barbecue Becky, 
prime example. I'm going to show my, <laughs> my class that Monday. Barbecue <laughs> Becky prime example. You was over there fucking with us. Right. But then, but then it's, it's our fault. It's our fault. Right. And then want to so cry I, about it. Then want to cry about it. Exactly. So, I mean, to me, I thought the gun was very symbolic of that. That sort of posture of America. Right. Right. No, absolutely, man. I mean, and I think, I mean, in the way they took care of it both times, I mean, you know, so they take the, the pistol away, you know, then he's posing as a minstrel. I mean, I know a lot of people have kind of made that that comparison, uh, you know, how right. he's posing the face that he makes and stuff. And he kind of comes in, um, you know, really kind of jolly and just kind of like it's no thing. Like, I'm just going to shoot this dude. And I'm going to keep going. And like the dancers and somebody else said this. But, like, the dancers keep your focus on the entertainment rather than looking at True. the background. Because I've seen that video at least 20, 30 times, man. And every time I'm, yeah. I'm looking back there, yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I just saw something new, man. Right. Right. Yeah. And, see, that, 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 that's also a very key thing. You know, all this shit's going on in the back. We're focusing on Aphrodite for body entertainment. Yeah. You know, and... And this has always been used since 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 um, since the since the 17th century, since 16th century. This, this has been used as a way to take the attention off what's really going on. There you go. You know. There you go. Man, well, I mean, so your work is around symbolism, brother. I mean, can you can you talk a little bit? Because that I know I know you can connect with that and you know process theologian. What I mean, how how else, how are some of those some of those some of those layers you know coming coming through in in this video? Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, yeah, a lot of a lot of my work it does deal with um, process thought, white Eddian process theology, um, as it as it connects to ideas of God and ideas of the world, and as it connects to both of those ideas as simply figures or representations. You know, so a lot of what I do, I mean, I look, I look at the video from a process symbolic perspective, the whole, the whole time. Okay. You know, and and I mean, Tillich makes this statement. Now, now Tillich, in, in many ways, was opposed to to process thought, but I, I kind of found some ways to bring them to bring them together. But Tillich always said this, and to get out of your culture, well, you know. If the symbol doesn't reflect the reality, and he was talking about religious symbols, but religious symbols were art. Yeah. So, so this is America, but Tillich would have been a religious symbol. But what he says is this. He says, well, if the symbols don't reflect the reality, then change them. So, um, so for me... That's the process move. I mean, in process, we talk about the universe as being an organism that, that, is, that is not static, but it's always in motion, you know. And to take that analysis back to the video, and this, this is something that, I mean, um, Dr. Um, Vitor Wessler, who just passed, he was a Lutheran School of Theology at Chicago when I was there. I wow. took a lot of classes with him, especially classes that dealt with Hegel, Auerbach, Walter Benjamin, and their connection to... Um, religion and then yeah. and their connection to understanding of religion in the world, but he always um, enforced and talked about Auerbach's um, notion of figure, which is this whole idea of symbol and how symbol goes beyond symbol but reflects reality. 
So in, mm. in many ways, Symbol participates in reality. Wow. But when I look at this video, I see Symbol participating in reality. You know, this, this is so striking because this is what's happening. Yeah. You know, yeah. the, um, the, 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 the symbols in the world are virtually the same thing. And, and uh, Walter Benjamin talked us about art in a way. He says, okay, well, some shit's going on. If you're looking at liberating art, now I'm paraphrasing him, but his point was if you're looking at liberating art, liberating art should point you toward the situation without many ways without even knowing you're looking at the situation mm. because it's allegorical. So you're confronted, for, for, for example, Lord of the Rings. I mean, yeah. Tolkien yeah. had a lot of symbolism about his time period in that film or in those books, of course. But, but if you look at what he's doing symbolically, he's talking about his context, but you don't really see it that way because you're focused on Gandalf, the ring, on everybody else, but he's telling you something, you know. Now, I think that this, this video is very similar, but it's similar in a different way because, well, I think the connections are very, are really, really more apparent. It's not as allegorical, you know, but it's still, it's still a home away from home, but in many ways, you can't deny those connections. Right. Because if you're seeing it, you're almost seeing it one-on-one. -on -one. It's not really a metaphor. That's what's happening, you know. So. I think I think that's fascinating, man. I mean, because, I mean, so I, you know, I, I, I'm i looking at the lyrics. I mean, I've, I've looked at them, and it's like, you know, because initially on the first pass, it was just kind of like I, I thought I just all I heard was This Is America. But it's like when you think about it, This Is America, don't catch you slipping up. Don't catch you slipping up. Yeah. Look what I'm whipping up. This is America. Right. And it's almost like yeah. each This Is America is another iteration of this salient uh, undertone of what it really means to be black in America. I, I, mean, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm, you know, I defer to you, man. I know this is this is a big part of your area, but it's like when, as I look at those lyrics, I'm just I, I find that fascinating. In you know, especially you know, folks who you know who want to spit stuff, it's like. You know, like this is, you know, yeah. this is America. Don't catch you slipping up. Look how I'm living now. Police be tripping now. Yeah, this is America. So, guns in my area, word my area. I got the strap. I carry them. Yeah. I, yeah, man. I don't mm -hmm. know what, what, what else. What, what you, what you think, man? I'll, I, I don't want you going, man. With, with that, I mean, I mean, I, I think, dude, I, I, I think you right on point because for you to bring it up, I think you got it, and that's a very, and, and I mean, even the way he's. See, because to me, what, what struck me, if you look at Childish Gambino's earlier corpus, you know that he's a way better lyricist than what he's presented. Right, 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 right. He's much better than So even the cadence, even the way he's putting these things together, don't, don't, catch you, don't, don't let me catch you slipping up, look what I'm whipping up, you know, all this stuff, he, in, in many ways, what is the cadence? The cadence, the same cadence he's on the radio every damn day. You know, yeah. and it's and 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 see, there's something to be said about mantra, mm. which is which which is key in a lot of the music that's coming out right now. You know, a lot of the popular hip hop music, but there's nothing there. <laughs> right, it's right. Nothing, it's 
it's nothing. And see, and see, I hate to say that because see, I'm not a hater. You know, I'm not. I'm, but, but I am, I am a student and a part of hip hop culture always. So, I look for progression. So I don't mind that kids are doing new things. But, but, but my question is number one. My, my question is two things. Hip hop has a rich history which you're drawing from, do you know the history you're drawing from? Right. That's the first question. Right. And do you reverence history? Don't repeat the history. Know the history. The second, the, the second thing is, and Rakim actually said this. He said, we're experiencing, we're experiencing a de-evolution of hip hop. There was a tweet that went, I don't know if you mm. saw that tweet. But, but yeah, he put it probably, I don't want to say two, three months ago. He, he said that, all this stuff is a de-evolution of hip-hop. And, because, and it's a de-evolution because this, this thing that was once so witty and, and had the mechanism of social critique has now become a minstrel show. Yeah. You know. So I think that, I think that in Gambino's cadence, the, 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 the way he wrote those lyrics, I mean, those, that plays out throughout the whole song. I think that's that's a that's a satirical critique of much of much of what you hear. All this stuff, which in many ways reifies the status quo. Man, man. I mean, oh man, <laughs> absolutely, man. I mean, and I think that's yeah. the that's that's part of what you know gets me. I mean, when he says, you know, Grandma told me, get your money, black man, get your money. Uh, for me, as I think about that, I think back to AAR. Uh-huh. Um, I talk about AAR uh-huh. all the time here on Profane Faith, but uh, I think back to AAR sure. after, you know what I'm saying? After, yeah. you know, the 2016 election, and I remember Eddie uh-huh. Gloud, you know, Dr. Eddie Gloud talking about, like, man, you know, like, this election is really an indictment on us as academics because it's like, man, well, I, I, I'm on the pursuit to tenure, right? On the pursuit to try to get this paper out. Yeah. On the pursuit, it's like, oh, man, yeah. I got I to gotta go get this. I got to go stay on that. And, and like and like we were just talking before, it's like, as a black yeah. man, you got to put up a certain amount of... It's like, you know, in, in all white universities, it's like, what black man are you going to be? Are you going to be the funny one? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be the angry one? Are you going to be more MLK? But not the, not the real MLK. We want a domesticated one. We want somebody who's like, all right. we can do is just reconcile, and we're going to be okay, hold hands, kumbaya. Right. And mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I mean, I, I saw those lyrics, and I was like, man, Grandma told me, you know, get your money. And I'm like, whoa, man. So I don't know, yeah. man. It just Because I, I do believe money is a big, a big part of, just where we're at, particularly as a people in, you know, in the, and, and, and from all socioeconomic brackets, all the way from dirt poverty, all the way up to somebody like Oprah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And see, and, and see, that's the key thing. I was actually going over this with my, with, um, my teacher into the philosophy class and, and the way I ended was on a deconstruction of gender and race. One week, wow. gender, one week race. Right. Right. I actually going to wow. end up race Monday. And I'm gonna say a few things that they might not like, but oh well, what's new? But, but um, <laughs> but, but so, so this, this this very question that you brought up comes up, came up in that discussion, you know, because um, there were there were some people who were on the side of well, you know, you, you can make a choice to get out of a socio-economic imprisonment. That that can be true, but there's of course the other side. Systemic injustices don't let everybody 
get that uh, opportunity and don't let, don't don't give some people even the know how to know there's a choice. Now that now that's two levels. There's the there's the choice that some people are able to wield, and there's also the systemic injustice. But there's something on top of that as well. The third issue is this. The third issue is even when you get out of the situation, which I think I may I may I may have said earlier. So like an Oprah, you, you mentioned Oprah. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is Oprah out of the situation? The, the, the rules of the game are still the same. The only difference is you, a person of color, learn how, learn how to play it. You're still in the game. You know, and, 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 and play those allegory of the cave. You stepped out, but are you really enlightened? Or are you simply in another cave? Oh, man. You know, so this is the question, you know, get your money. Nigga, get your money. You know what I mean? We, we, we've all been told that. And God, as I know, I know I have. I'm sure you have been, too. Our ancestors said, okay, you know what? Because my, my grandmother, who was from um, Arkansas, she grew up in Mississippi, she came to Chicago. Why? She wanted my aunts and uncles and my mama to get their money. To get right. to, to have better access to opportunities. Who are the opportunities in favor of European, European opportunity, European school system, European sanctioned jobs? Because we live in a European-dominated society. Right. You know. You know. So, so it's like when you when you're getting your money, you're getting your money, but you're losing your personhood. So, this is. A, a, a very big thing we have to rest, especially, especially um, academics. And, and, I, and, and, and I was I was at that talk with Eddie Glaude said that I was there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was there. So it's like we have to wrestle with that because in many ways we are complicit. Yeah, man. And that I think that's a you know. I mean, as I think about it, it's just like, you know, the pursuit of money, the pursuit of career, the pursuit of uh, a name, the pursuit of, you know, wanting more fame, wanting more. Because it's like, you know, when people say, oh, man, you know, when I make it, I'll come back or when I make it, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give back. I'll give back. Let me just get there, man. But it, I feel like a lot of times, man, you know, it costs your soul, which is why I feel like at the end of the video, I really do feel like Gambino's like woke, like his his expressions changed. Obviously, he's running for his life. The, the people chasing him are yeah. out of focus, but it's just like, you know, it's like, you know, he's, he's trying to get out the, the, the sunken place, man. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the question is, and the way the video is, is ambiguity. We don't know if he got away. Right. Right. You know, we don't know if he got away. And, and see, this is the same thing, even, even to link back to Kanye, what he said, okay, Okay, let's 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 play and say slavery was was a choice. Let's let's go there for argument's sake. Okay, you choose to you know you there were a ton of y'all. You could you could have went against the system, but what would that what would that have done? What kind of choice is that? Right. It would have right. put you where it would have put you where um, Childish Bino was. He's running, but you know eventually he's about to get caught. Yeah. You, you could choose that. I mean. Some of our ancestors chose to jump off of the boat and not deal with it. Some of our ancestors, I mean, the Haitian Revolution, they, they made it. You know, I mean, Denmark, Bessie, um, Nat Turner, they made it, but for how long? 
So, so yeah, yeah you, you can you, you can choose to rebel, sure, but that choice might be one that you can, might might fight lane in a place you you, you you can't make another choice. Right. So is that is that really is that really the choice you want to talk about? You know. So I mean, I guess that depends upon the person, but yeah, that's not a that's not an easy that's not a that's not not the same choice as well, I'm gonna have beans, I'm gonna have rice. Well, I just have both, and I have dinner. But, 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 right. I, but I mean, you know, you know, you know what I mean. It's not, it's not out of choice, like yeah, yeah. This, this choice, this choice is gonna mean you can't make another one when you, when you buck against the system. Malcolm, Malcolm couldn't make another, another choice after death. Martin Luther King could make another choice after death. You chose that. You chose to rebel, but that choice has a consequence. You may, you may make a choice in your academic career. That doesn't give you, that means you, you, you know, you never have tenure or you, or you in some weird act of God lose tenure because you made a, you made a choice to rebel, but right. you have to feed your family. Is that really your choice? <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's, it's a nuance and it's a, and it's a quandary I think we have to deal with and we, and we, and we have to seriously wrestle with. Not easy. Right. Right, man. I mean, I think, and it, it is not. I mean, it's because I think there was a quote, and I use this a lot. You know, um, I've said this before. You know, because there's a quote, um, and do the right thing, which I think you know was Spike Lee's capstone film uh, from everything, from you know set location, script, um, cinematography, color location. But there was a, there was a scene where he's having a you know conversation with Vino, um, and he's like, you know. He's like, hey, you know, can I have a conversation with you? He's like, yeah, what? He's like, man, who's your favorite uh, artist? You remember, you remember that? Yes, I sure do. I you know sure what I'm saying? Yep. And, he's, and he's going through them, and he's, he's like, he's telling him, he said, man, all the people that you so-called, you know, niggas, he said, these people you like. And he's like, yeah, but they're not really niggas. They're, right. they're, they're more than that. They're black. They're more than black. And it's just like that statement, like, captures the, the really the, the essence of where I feel like particularly black entertainment is in this country right now. It's just like, again, we like the black bodies, you know, as exotic, but, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, we really care. It's just another nigga dead. I mean, you know, he's probably resisting. So, right. I, you know, he didn't have his right. hands up. Come on. I mean, come on. That's, that's it. Exactly. You see, and we always make the assumption, you know, like, 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 like yeah, that person had to be doing something. You know, wool, wool, wool. I mean, the power system always makes the assumption. Oh yeah, they couldn't have been. Because I mean, my dad, my dad would always tell me that. You know, I mean, he would always, he might, he might look at the, at the, at the end of the day, you're a nigger. It don't, don't matter how, don't matter how far, how far you get, you're a nigger. You know. And yeah. And that's, and that's, that's the real. I remember like he told me a story this week when he, when he must have been in, in um, the U.S. Like maybe like five, six years at that point. Um, he, uh, from Belize originally, um, he was playing for this German soccer team. You know, okay. he, was, he, he became the leading, leading goal scorer for that team. And team, a team in Chicago, you know, he became a leading goal scorer for that team. And then he told me that um, they, had a, they had an indoor game. And he wasn't, I don't think he was playing, but he went to, um, he went to the, um, the, the stadium to see the game, he was 
and he was sitting and he was sitting he, he, he was sitting there and he was walking towards the locker room and he heard somebody refer to him as a nigger. He said, you know, I wonder I wonder I wonder where that nigger is. You know. And Yeah. This this the league the leading goal scorer for the team. But he's he's a nigger. You know, he said he never never went back after that. Never went back. See? And that, I mean, that's, I mean, again, I mean, with who's the president, I mean, you know, it's like every day he has a new comment. I mean, I think the latest one is like, you know, people who come to this country, they're not human, they're animals. I mean, which is like, whoa, are we, you know, are we getting ready to, you know, because it's like once you dehumanize somebody, you can kill them. You can do whatever you want with them. They're not human. It's like, man, you know, black people, they're not even human. It's like we're doing them a favor by bringing them over here and. And, and educating right. them and, and giving them a, you know, secure. And there are still a lot of white folks who believe that we, as African-Americans, would be better off if we were under the full authority of white people. They, there are. There are, bro. There are. You know, you'd be, man, well, I, I know, I, I, I know that you ain't shocked by it, but, I mean, some people listening probably would be. Like, dude, that shit is so real, man. That's so what, real. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. So I, I, you know, I struggle. I mean, I struggle. This, this, this video takes me back. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it is for you. I mean, for me, it takes, it took me back. It feels like we may be entering another golden era. I mean, when I think about Kendrick and J. Cole's new album, what Beyonce's trying to do, Baychella, um, I would include her in this mm-hmm. mix as well. Now you got Gambino. I really do feel like, you know, mm-hmm. we may be entering an, another golden era because this took me back to the 90s, like something like Pac would drop, something like, uh, you know, um, when I think about, um, uh, I was going to say most deaf, but I mean him too, but when I think about um, what the Shook Ones, what's what's the, what's the name, uh, the uh, Mob, Mob Deep. You know, I mean, I think about videos that, you know, made statements and stuff, you know, rather than just trying to show off women, your jewelry, your house, your money, and how you the best, and, you know, all this hyper-masculinity, man. I, I don't know, it just... It just took me back, man. I don't, yeah, I don't know. What I don't know. I don't right. know. What were your, what were your thoughts there? Just particularly as you've seen it, and you know, from beginning to end, and and all that. Hmm. My thoughts about that, um, I, I, I guess from from my perspective, I mean, as you know, a lot of my work and a lot of my personhood is in is in independent hip hop culture. You know, um, independent or or labeled yeah. underground hip hop culture. Yeah. So. Um, a lot of the movements that I see Gambino doing are movements that really have been going on in underground consciousness since, since 2010 and beyond, and even, and even before that. But there, there's been a resurgence yeah. in, in underground hip-hop culture. There's a, there's a subgenre of underground hip-hop culture called art rap. Come on. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the big figures in that, in that, in that movement are... are Open Mike Eagle, um, he's been doing pretty well. Milo, um, Bus Driver, L.A. Dude, um, Armand Hammer, NYC, great. A lot, so a lot of their critiques, and they've been getting a lot of attention in that in that in that realm. A lot of their critiques yeah. have been just like him. and I would even say, in some senses, even more provocative. Like, 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 there's an Armand, I want you to check this out if you haven't seen it. There's a song by Armand Hammer, it's called Crowns. Okay. It's spelled C-R-W-N-Z. It's off of their second album, which is called Furtive Music. Their first album is called Race Music. Speaks for itself. Like, and the, and the album is just what it, it's just what it sounds like, you know. 
lot of the writing, a lot of the writing, the writing style is pretty, it's pretty dense. It's not easy listening at all. Okay. You know, this is stuff you're going to have to go back to five, six times <laughs> to, catch what, to catch what's going on with the rhyme. Right. You know, but, but I mean, but, but one, of the, one, of the, one of the members of that group, Armand Hammer, elusive, he even mentions the theology. He says one of his rhymes. It says something about liberation theologians. You know, I mean, so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So when I saw the video, I saw it more so as being a part of a movement that's already been it, that's already been happening, you know, and which, but, it, but it's good because Gambino's profile is a bit higher. So it does raise attention to people who might not have heard or who might, who may never hear an Armand Hammer record because it's not in their sphere of influence. It's not, it's not, it doesn't circulate in the circles they, they run it, you know? So I think, I think um, this Gambino video was good in the sense that it kind of bring that to the surface. Right. Well, and I mean, you bring up a really good point, man. And um, I, this was brought up, you know, when I was presenting this earlier this year, you know, on, on hip hop and stuff. It's like because I don't want to take away anything away from millennial hip hop, millennial hip hop generation, Gen Wires. I don't want to take away anything from, like you said, the underground that has been holding it down for hip hop since day one, really, man. And. I definitely don't want to, you know, take it away because and what I'm really referring to is commercial rap, like stuff that makes it to Power 100 sure. st stations and stuff, man, because you bring up a really good point about the folks who've been in the cuts. And like you said, their critique is much stronger than, uh, you know, than what Gambino is because, you know, even Gambino has to clean it up for, for television. You know, he's still got to clean it up for the, for the radio. True, true, true. But uh, but no, what you said is what you, what you said is very true though. In the, in that in that in that a commercial playing field, no one's no one's done that like him, at least right now, you know. And that so that so that's a good thing. So yeah, in that room for sure, you got to get him his process most definitely. Right, man. Well, this is this has been very enlightening, brother. Thank you for taking the time to come out and. And analyze this, man. I know you could probably keep going on this, then, man. But this was, this was, this was heavy. You brought it, man. Man, thank you, thank you, Doc. I appreciate it. You know, I mean, it's just your good facilitation. You know, like, like, like I always say, thank you for providing the forum for this stuff to happen, and thank you for for being able to structure the discussion and bring certain things out of the thoughts. Oh man, I, I want to say thank you to you always, man. Oh, man, man my, my pleasure, man. I'm glad to have this little platform, and I'm just going to keep using it, man, because I think, you know, as long as stuff like this comes out, I know you're an artist as well, man. So, you know, coming from that perspective, and, you know, and you're in the cuts, you're in the mix, you you understand what's happening, man. So I, I, I really appreciate your perspective and what, you know, what you bring to the table as an MC, you know, as somebody who, you know, who puts who lays it down. Word, word. And, and, and see, it's always good to speak from my perspective because I mean, I wear both hats: the scholar, practitioner hat. And sometimes I think, I think the practitioner hat is more the scholar hat, you know. So it just, so I mean, I'm always glad to kind of bring both worlds together in any way that I can. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, man. And I think that honestly is part of the future of of academia. I mean, if we can continue, you know, doing what we're doing, man, I think more, more. More people need to do that. We need to be able to, you know, to bridge, make, make, those, make those connections, man.
That's so that's a yeah. that's a good thing. Yeah, and our job is to do that because if, if, if we don't do that, why are we here? <laughs> you know. Right. Exactly. Exactly, man. Well, listen, brother. This has been dope, man. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. Dude, always, man. Anytime, brother. harassment is frequently. It's all through the day, it's all through the night. If they not um, beating us physically, they doing it verbally. I don't know what's gonna happen, man. This been going on before Michael Brown. This been going on before Trayvon Martin, before Emmett Till. You know, this been going on for a long time. We are just sick and tired. You must disperse immediately or be subject to arrest. Surely you didn't think I was only going to have a male's perspective on this. Next up is Janelle Austin. Janelle is an activist out in Pasadena, California. She's a spoken word artist. She is someone who takes the lives of black bodies very seriously. And she is a theological thinker. Janelle's position on this is extremely important, particularly since we live in such a hyper-masculinized world and black women are often the least and the last to be looked at and engaged with. Janelle has a unique perspective having been through higher ed and worked in higher education institutions. She often shares her spoken word publicly and in private spaces as well. I'm excited to bring Janelle on the show. Check it out. Yeah, I think my first impressions were, huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Interesting. Um, I, I remember as I watched it, uh, when the song began, I was like, oh, I like these African rhythms. And then a man gets shot in the head. Right. And I was like, okay. <laughs> like, shock factor succeeded. Um, <laughs> yes. But I I found myself actually watching it like over and over and over again because it's so layered, um, and I think one of the one of the first impressions as well was the thought was huh interesting the whole thing takes place in a warehouse right um, because I mean you see so many music videos where they like travel around the world and do like a 30 second scene in like one city yep. and a 30 second scene in another city. But the fact that he strategically chose to do this all in one location and did these uh, just pans and kept circling the camera right. um, with different stages uh, of the progression of the song. I, I mean, I thought the film was artistically beautiful. Like, yeah. And, yeah. and how he just decides to communicate what um, he was uh, writing or feeling or perceiving or thinking or interpreting of the world. Like, it's just artistically grand. 
um, and, and especially to do it in all in one location. Right. Right. I thought that was interesting as well. Just the, the, the warehouse. It almost felt like, I don't know, what was it like a, a year or two ago when people were doing those viral videos where you would, it was yes. like staged. The, you know mannequin, the, yes. the mannequin challenges. Yeah. Cause they, they would pan it like the mannequin challenges. Yeah. Yes. Yes. There you go. Cause that's originally when I first saw it, I was like, Oh, interesting. Cause I, I, I like you, I thought, okay, we're going to cut away to something else or we're going to cut away to another location. It was like, Nope, we're going to keep you right here. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And keep you going through this. Um, yes. What I mean, so there's been a, I know there's been some analysis on like the dancers versus what's happening in the background. How did you how did you interpret that? Because he has dancers with him almost the entire yes. time. Yes. That he's and they're and they're supposed to be like child dancers. Like yes. Teenage dancers. Yes. Right. And yes. Uh, Go ahead. So I so I picked up on that right away because I was like, these are all school uniformed dancers, um, even in the background. So the dancers that were with him and the dancers that were in the background. So I was like, he is definitely picking up on youth culture um, yeah. in, in some way, shape or form. Um, the fact that the dancers were always like happy when this chaos was happening all around them. Right. Um, the fact that they were like organized, um, in sync, it was just like it was almost like there was no care in the world, um, and they were dancing. But I don't think it was like life is crazy. Uh, I hate life, and therefore I'm just going to dance my way through it. But it was almost like I am oblivious to all the chaos. Yeah, and I'm dancing <laughs> like right. Um, and so, so that's what I thought um, was very interesting. And then I, I actually also watched the SNL version as well to see how mm. he would reinterpret this video um, on live stage, right? Mm-hmm, and because mm-hmm. there's so much that you can't do when you're on, yeah. <laughs> on a live stage. Uh, and he kept the dancers. And actually, some of the dancers, I think, were even younger than in the video uh, on the SNL stage. Yes, um, yes, absolutely. And they were even more involved in the kind of the lyrics of the song of Black Man Get Your Money, Black Man Get Your Money. Oh, and they yeah. had, like, dollar bills and stuff like that. And so it was almost like they were participating even more um, in the construct, I think, of what... Uh, um, I so I I don't want to read too much into, into his. I've seen like a lot of different analysis, and I don't even know if, what I think is correct. But I feel like that he's trying to pull on this culture of like money and fame and how it constantly impacts the consciousness of our youth. Yes. Um, and and so I think that played out even more in the SNL uh, stage presentation where the youth were just dancing and playing with money like yeah yeah what now like, no and and, yeah. and and i think i mean so um you know in the previous interview i had with uh, brother john gill i was you know we were okay. talking about the the money aspect and talking about you know particularly in the lyrics you know where he says um oh here we go you know uh ooh tell me somebody tell me somebody grandma told me you know get your yeah. money black man get your money black man get your money and even the repetition, I thought that was interesting in this song because, you know, 
Yes. And a lot of songs, you know, well, you know, I mean, commercial rap, they're talking about women. They're talking about money. They're Like you said, they got these different locations. They've rented all these cars and expensive cars. Warehouse, very simplistic, but the visualization of those things like when he shoots the man in the head at the beginning of the uh, uh, at the beginning of the the, the video, they right. take better care of the gun than they do the person. Yes, they drag the person out and they make sure the gun is placed into uh, a cloth. Um, but it's but that almost like for me, I thought of like you know how people wipe fingerprints clean yes. from a gun. Yes. And so like it it had to be placed in a cloth so it would so they could erase. Uh, who the perpetrator was, right? In a sense, uh, but who the victim was, it, it, it really didn't matter, uh, or the, who the victims were. So even the choir. So fast forward to the choir because the choir is actually singing yes. that chorus: "Black man, get your money. Black man, get your money." And I thought that was interesting because, uh, once again, I am comparing this in my head to other artists, other songs who've included a choir in some way, shape, or church choir in some way, shape, or form. And and oftentimes when a choir is included right. in a song, they're not actually singing like the same refrain or the same chorus that is continued through the rest of the song. They will like bring in like an old gospel song or they'll bring in something that feels a little bit more spiritual. But here you have this choir singing Black Man Get Your Money. Like, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so in my mind, I was like, that's interesting. And then, of course, then he shoots them. And the first thing in my mind was, well, Charleston 9. And then I look into, like, a lot of what other people were saying. And that was the first thing into other people's mind was Charleston 9. But then I stepped back and I was like, but it was the Black man who shot them. Like, right. Like, and, and it was the choir who was singing the very thing that he was engaging in or doing. And so because of the very uh, black cast in terms of the people who were engaging in this video, uh, part of me was like, well, I don't know if I should jump to Charleston 9 too quickly. Okay. Because okay. there is, like, what about this has to talk about the violence within the black community? And not gun violence necessarily, uh, but maybe the gun violence also represents just the violence that we play into. Remember, the context is this is America, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, and so, and you start with these kind of African tones and sounds and this guy dancing with a happy face. I mean, people uh, compare that again to Jim Crow, uh, but I think maybe it could even go beyond that or before that. Um, and then it moves quickly into gun violence. Um, this guy, he's playing a guitar in a chair, just chill, doing his thing. And before he knows it, his head is covered and he's getting shot in the back of the head. Um, church choir uh, by another black man. Church choir singing. The guy comes in, joins them, dancing, whatnot. Um, and then he turns, shoots them, and the key, and it just keeps moving. He puts right. uh, once again. He puts the gun into the hands of a young black boy. Yep. Right. Yep. Like a youth uh, who carries it for him. 
and he just kind of it just keeps going he's dancing with these youth while the chaos is coming all around you have the riots uh you have the police officers you have people chasing you have uh you just see when they pan up you have the people in the uh who were covering their face with cloths to serve as like gas masks but also had their cell phones kind of video recording yes. everything yes 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 <laughs> Right. And it's almost kind of showing like what we do. But at, but the meta narrative is like America has made us into this in a sense. Like we are playing into the narrative yes. that America has created and continues to create. Because then at the end. OK, so this is another thing that I thought. So at the end, uh-huh. like once again, you're like, OK, this looks like get out. Right. 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 <laughs> and, and, and he's running, and you have a bunch of white people chasing him. Like, now, and he's, like, literally running for his life and has fear all over his face. He's sweating. He's trying to uh, get and, out. And they're unfocused. They're, they're out of focus, too, the, right. the people chasing him. Right, exactly. And so in that moment, so I go back instantly to the beginning of the video because if you uh, listen, I mean, this was before I actually decided to look up the lyrics, but if you listen to the very first intro, it yeah. says, yeah, 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 go, go away. Yeah, 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 go, go away. Yeah, 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 go, go away. Like, that's all it's saying. Before we even get into the we just want to party, we just want to party, we just want your money, the lyrics is just, yeah, 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 go, go away. Uh, and I was like, huh, that's like, get out. <laughs> and so, right. so it kind of like book it bookends but then once again let's go back to the fact that everything is in this um this warehouse right yeah. so it's like you're trapped like you can't get out like everything is staged right in this box right and it's like there's there is no way out. Even when he comes to the door in the church, you're still in that warehouse. You're still in the box. Like so, no matter where you go, whether you're in a vehicle, whether you're coming through a door, whether you're up on up high or down low, or if you're running in this dark tunnel, you're still trapped in the box. Is there any way out? Can you go go away? all the way to the end when you're running and you're trying to get out, uh, it's like there's no way out. Um, and this is America. Wow. that and, and that's, I mean, it's interesting because uh, his, the, uh, well, on NPR they had a, a really good, um, uh, they interviewed, you know, the producer. I'm trying to think of the director for the, you know, um, uh, for the for the video, but the they actually mentioned. I mean, the they talk about the warehouse. I mean, you mentioned it like how right. we're trapped, and how the video ends because you don't really know. Did they get him? Did he did he escape? He's running right. for his life, but they but they're also you know they're catching. They're about to catch that brother, man. And so it's almost like I, I heard a couple commentators say that it was almost like he got woke and he's trying to look for the exit. But it's like it's like, like but, but like you said. It, all this stuff is staged. All this stuff is 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 put in, and I, I think about just the current era that we live in. That everything is transmediated. Right. Everything is staged. You know, it's like you got Kanye going to TMZ of all places, like TMZ. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't know. What are you? What are your thoughts on all that? I mean, because I'd like to maybe parse that out a little bit more with what you think. Because that's deep. Yeah. 
Yes, it, it is deep that he got woke. Uh, as you said, I, I, when you said that, the first thought in my mind was like, yeah, he got woke after like he smoked a joint. It was <laughs> like, he had we he right. had some weed. Yeah. was dancing on top of the car. Yeah. The yeah. next scene, he's woke. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a really good point. Right. Oh. So the message is: let's make marijuana legal. No. Um, <laughs> That's right. No, no, no. Uh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I, I think that significant. Actually, I'm looking at the name of the director. It's it's Hiro Murai, Murai, M U R A I. Okay, yeah. Uh, the director, producer, Jason Cole, um, of the film. Yeah, I I think, um, I th- yeah, I think that's significant. That it's. Is he's he's playing throughout the film, like into this dance, into this narrative, and it has all of these black people around him the entire time. He he is participating in the violence. Um, he is participating um, in this pursuit of money. He's participating in uh, the the perception of happiness. Uh, mm. Through dance, mm. he he is participating um, in the uh, the kind of pop culture uh, image of having all your cars and having all the women. Though he does it in a way of right. more so reality than it does um, in the media. It it's always more wealthy than what people are. And he kind of does it in the way of reality. Like, we got these broke down cars. Um, <laughs> right, and, right. And that, and, yes, absolutely. And this is, what we, this is what we really have. Like, we really don't have all the, like, the shiny Cadillacs and the Benz and the Teslas. And the, like, the, we don't really have those cars. But this is what we have. And, and we're going to imagine that it's great. And we're going to imagine that it's good. Um, and then... And, and remember, he participates with the dancers while the riots are happening around him. Yeah. So it's yeah. it's not like he's even a part of the people who are woke and a part of the people who are fighting the police and a part of the people who are trying to get free. He is in the midst of uh, this false reality um, or this constructed imagination that life is good uh, and we're going to continue to sing and dance and then when he wakes up he goes from this having this happy face this eerily happy face throughout the entire video to just like straight fear um and just in sweat and he's just he's running he's running and he's running, and he's trying to get out. He's woke, and it's only, like, white people chasing him. Like, I was looking. Like, <laughs> if, if there was a black person chasing him, they was, like, in the way back dark part right. of that tunnel. Yeah. But at the forefront, it was, like, it was just white people chasing him, which is which is a huge difference from the entire video being majority right. black folks, yes. right? Yes, It's almost like what is what he lives and what he experiences is this kind of black black alternate reality but the real reality is that white people are chasing him and white people are trying to kill him um and he has to to stay alive uh he has to run like it's almost like 
like the matrix like he woke yes. up yes to this to the real reality um and he realizes that he is he is the victim he is uh the one that they're trying to get before he's the one in power he's the one with the gun he's the one with the money he's the one with the drugs he's the one with the power over the youth like he's leading the dances um he's the one that the violence all around them is not touching him uh he's he has the power card uh mm. and then that outro you're just a black man in this world you're just a barcode Ah, you wow. just a black man in this world driving expensive forms. Ah, you just a big dog. Yeah, wow. I kenneled him in the backyard. No, probably oh. ate life to a dog for a big dog. Woo! <laughs> right? And wow. and that so that's the outro. Intro is uh go go away, go go away, go go away. Like mm -hmm. it's and it's played by now now I'm people might say she's thinking too deep on this one, but it's it's sung with these African uh tunes and sounds to the background. And it's like it's almost like you have these ancestral voices saying, Go, go away. Yes. Go, go. The voices of wisdom, right? The elders saying, Go, go away, go, go away go go away and then when it switches to like the trap music and it's like now it's all the youth kind of engaging yeah yeah and the chorus is kind of always black man get your money black man get your money get your money black man get your money all the way then to the outro you're you're just a dog like you're mm. you're just a barcode you're just you're just a you're just a black man Wow. Like just a black man, like you're nothing more. You're just oh, it's just a black man, just a barcode, uh, just a dog. Actually, a, a dog is more than you. Uh, you probably ain't life to a dog. Like my <laughs> dog is more valuable <laughs> than you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so it's like so it's it almost like tells this story of it. It addresses kind of like our generational disconnect between yeah. the voices who know better. And it's trying to steer us in the right way. But yet we go with what society, the construct society creates for us. And we live into that. And we play into that. And we actually believe that we are somebody within that construct. And then we wake up. Mm. Um, uh, is, it, is it that we are just a black man? We are just a barcode? We are just a big dog that was kenneled in the backyard um or and that we believe that and now we're running for our lives because we feel that we are nothing or is it also the fact that this is the voice of whiteness um and we're waking up to that reality of whiteness and if that's the reality of whiteness and if that's where this video ends where where is our what is the hope do we have hope? Where wow. can we get out? Wow. Um, is there a life outside of that warehouse? If this is America, uh, what do we do? I, I just I just don't think like the answer is like going back to Africa. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so so if, if this is the world in which we live, 
is the only option is to run and and hope we stay alive um I did, like so the, yeah the, the way that video ends is problematic for me okay um and it's not problematic for me because uh it's it doesn't give me like warm fuzzy feelings at the end uh it's not a because it's not a disney film <laughs> it's problematic it's problematic for me because it's real um yeah and i i don't know like where do we go because okay the other part of this is the the language of man right black man get yeah. your money black man right. get your money um even when he says you're just a barcode that's a to me like the reality is yes there are incarcerated women but there are far more incarcerated black men right um and so the idea uh i feel like that that um is a is a nod to incarceration when you say you're just a barcode uh mass incarceration uh and it's very clear to say you're just a black man and the in the the people who he hands the guns off to are black men. There are women in the video. There are women yeah. in the choir. Yeah. There are female dancers. There's the woman who's sitting on top of the car, the one woman, right? That's another part of the whole reality. It's, like, it's not like multiple women. Uh, right, but yeah. He has, a, he has just that one woman sitting on that car attempting to be sexy. Um, and so women are a part of this film, but... We're not a part of the lyrics. The lyrics are black man, get your money. And I think that's intentional. Um, I think that the way America uh, engages the black culture and the black context, mm. it targets black men. Mm. Um, and But then the question is, how do we as women then also play into that as right. well? How, right. how do we participate into the celebration of the targeting of black men? Yes. Um, how do we, um, like, fall victim to the celebration of the targeting of black men? Wow. How do we, like, I, it's, so it's kind of one of those things where it's not like, I don't look at this and say, well, how come he's not talking about black women? I look at this and, like, that one lady did, redid the, remade the film and talking about women. Actually, I didn't, I didn't like that remake um, at all. But. <laughs> oh, which one was that? Well, I missed that one. Yes, I, there is. Let me see if I can find it. I'm creating too many papers. Um, do, 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 do. I gotta find this. Uh, this is America Women. Um, let's see if this comes up for me. But uh, I can't remember the name of this uh, uh, comedian lady. This white comedian lady. She. She remade the song um, using women. And she uses women from different ethnicities, but it's mostly white women. And she herself is a white woman. Oh, Nicole Arbor. Okay. Uh, this is America Women's Edit. Um, Interesting. Is, is what she did. Okay. Um, and as a female, I was like, okay. I understand what you were trying to do, but this is the exact same thing that happens all the time in the United States of America. 
The moment that we attempt to try to talk about our blackness and the struggle of race in America and the problem of race in America and trying to figure out how do we um, how do we escape or how do we address uh, the violence of whiteness, then you have a white woman come through and say, well, I want to talk about the violence of the violence uh, towards white women and how I feel as a white woman and how I and how America treats women. And it's just kind of like you couldn't even wait to just sit with our narrative as black people for a minute. Like, wow. Or you couldn't even wait to just sit with the narrative of black men for a minute. Like, and just and just acknowledge that uh, there is something about your whiteness that contributes to the violence towards black men. That not just you being violent toward black men, but your whiteness creating black on black violence. Right. <laughs> like, uh, because I think that's part of this narrative in the video as well. It's like so you have to quick jump. To that, uh, it's it's kind of like well, dealing with Black Lives Matter, and then we have to jump to a women's march, right? Um, black lives still don't matter in America, but yet Man. the Me Too movement um, is getting more traction, right? <laughs> it's getting more money, more dollars, more attention, um, and but I, once again, it's like that is the power of white women. Oh, like man. This is as you were talking. I was just looking this up and and looking at. Uh, I I had not seen this, and this this reminds me of a lot of times when I teach intercultural communication, and you have this sense of white fragility that starts to pop up, and it de it can easily derail the first time. Actually, the first in my mind is the first couple of times it happened. It derailed the conversation because several white women started crying. They were like, I just want to do right, and I just this and this and that, and I don't know why. They're so angry to me, you know, and I was like, whoa, okay, well, let's talk. And then now I'm just kind of like, um, okay, well, but, but let's let's get back to black bodies being shot over cell phones in, in, in the back of the yard and the families yes. that now have to live with that for the rest of their lives. Right. <laughs> right. With, with not just shot in the backyard, but shot with 20 bullets in the backyard right. of, of, their, of their grandma's house. A right? hail of bullets. Right. So there is, and, and that comes back to this warehouse, that there is no place safe. Mm. If you mm. cannot be in, in your grandmother's property right. and stay alive, right, right? right. There, is, there is no place safe. Because... Ooh. Because it's almost like the the abuse of power by the police in America says my badge says that I can go anywhere I want, um, and my training says whenever I get ready I can use my gun, or my tailor, my taser, or baton, or my words, or whatever form of violence that I feel that is necessary when right. I when I believe that my life is in danger or right. when I fear that my life is in danger. Um, yep. and, and that that fear comes on a scale that we never get privileged to understand. Well, how much fear was it? Was it like fear, like you heard somebody coming up the steps and you didn't know who they were? Or was it like <laughs> fear, <laughs> like fear, like, 
oh my gosh, uh, the, this plane is crashing and I'm not quite sure uh, if, if we're gonna land or if we're gonna crash kind of fear. Like we're on a scale of fear. Like where was that fear? Right, right. We, we don't get that privilege of knowing. All we know is that the officer said, I fear for my life and therefore they got to use whatever choice of force on their hip that mm. they wanted to. Mm. Mm. Like, and and we paid for those bullets with our tax dollars, by the way. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> I, just, I just like to remind people of that, that the, that the very bullets that kill us are the bullets we pay for through our tax dollars. Man, that's some, that's some psychological stuff right there. Right. Wow. Whew. It is a moment of silence for that, man. That is... Whew. That's heavy. I mean, that's heavy when you when you add up that. I mean, you know, the tax dollars, the tax dollars that we pay for police officers to quote unquote protect and serve and to protect and serve, right? And yet, the training that they have in in regards to race or intercultural. And I'll, I'll for, for for this first point, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. I won't get into Klan members and neo-Nazis joining the police force, that because that is happening. And we've known that for a long time. And finally, the New York Times and Washington Post are finding, oh, well, you know, there's an abundant amount of neo-Nazis in police force. Like, oh, uh, you think so? And so what the first point is, it's like, okay, let's say you're a genuine good officer. You're white. You were brought up in some suburb or, or for that matter, gentrification grown up in the inner city mm-hmm. where you, you were raised around people with a bunch of money. Now you're in the law. And all of a sudden you see... This, this black person, and you fear for your life. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what, is, what does that mean? When, when a white police officer at Parkland High School, who was armed, who was trained, quote-unquote, to, to take down gunmen, freezes up. Oh, I, I fear for my life, but he doesn't do anything. He's a coward, but the person who shoots a black man who's unarmed, that's mm-hmm. a hero. Right. At, at, that just, I don't know, it just it boggles the mind. And that so this video, I haven't even seen it, but just doing a quick Google image search, I'm like, okay, this, now see, and this is, like you said, it, this is what happens. It's either, it's like, if, like, rather than sitting with the uncomfortableness, the pain, the misery, the, 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 the sense of tension that Gambino right. raises, it either goes to, oh, I'm going to dismiss it, or we got to make something funny of it, and then, and then laugh, right? It's like you need that comic relief. Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah, because there were a lot of people who, who did that with the video as well. They, they added, like, memes and whatnot and emojis to the video. It's like they had to, they had, they, they couldn't take the video full force, right? They, right. they needed that relief. Um, I, I want to go back. I want to go back to this video yes. and the lyrics, though. Yes. Because you talked about the the element where he got woke and he woke up and i'm i'm looking through this lyrics and i think that the moment he wakes up for for me is when the line comes america i just checked my following list and you motherfuckers owe me right <laughs> right like that that's the point he wakes up because uh, that's the first time he's like addressing america and the next thing you know the man's running for his life Right? So what does that say? <laughs> what does that say? The moment you wake up and you're like, oh, like, America, you're, 
you're the one I need the money from. And then he's he's running. Wow. Um, and I think as a part, as, as of what I see in life, the more black people and brown people and marginalized people, uh, poor people wake up and realize who actually owes them, uh, that's when, and when we start to rise up and, and speak our voices mm. uh, and speak the truth, and when we become unafraid, uh, that's when the lynching starts happening all over again, right? That's, and, and, and lynchings, sir, and I use lynchings intentionally because the, the purpose of lynching wasn't to kill the person. The purpose of lynching was to install fear into the community. Yes, yes, yes. Right? Um, so it, it it wasn't that this person deserves to die as much as it was we need to s- keep this community subject to our will and to our power. Uh, we need to keep them subject to fear. Uh, and so... The he goes from America, I, I just checked my following list and you motherfuckers owe me to running for his life with this dread and this fear. It's like, they're going to lynch me. <laughs> like, yeah. This white mob is going to lynch me. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Because he woke, he woke up. He woke. I mean, we, I mean, we see that also during the civil rights movement. I mean, like King was assassinated. Uh, X was assassinated. So many of the leaders were thrown in prison. I mean, they tried to get Angela Davis, but that woman is badass. And she just... Yes, yes. <laughs> and she was like, right. nope, not me, not today. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I mean, you had, like, James Baldwin, he, like, flying to Paris to escape. Like, you. I mean, it's like it's this kind of reality... Uh, when people rise up to assert their humanity and their dignity um, and their God-given power and authority uh, to the uh, up against the social powers and the constructive powers that exist within the uh, the nation, uh, they they put their lives at risk for yes. lynching. Yes. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Uppity niggas. Right. Because you, when, you when you take out the leaders, you can uh, subject the masses. Um, because the reality is, not, and we know this, not everybody's a leader. You, you have followers in life. You have people who are leaders. You have people who are followers. Um, you have shepherds. You have sheep. Um, and, and, when, and sheep get scared easily. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. They spooky. They spooky. <laughs> and, and when when a leader is taken out, because uh, the leaders don't get scared as easily. Like they get scared. Leaders get scared. Like what? Le- don't. Uh, I I think that sometimes people follow others blindly, and they think that that person is uh, Superman or Super Wonder Woman, and that they're all their strength and they're never weak right and that, and i mean that's part of the the problem of the image of the strong black woman and part and part of the the problem of the image of the strong black man 
is because it never acknowledges that we are weak and that there are moments where actually we need help and that we need to be supported and we need to be upheld. Um, and so, uh, but so it's not to say that leaders don't ever fear that, that they don't ever have weaknesses, but they're not as easily going to subject themselves uh, to the tactics to try yeah. to scare us. Yeah. Right. Right. And so the only way then to keep the masses subject to fear is to take out the people uh, who are least likely uh, to become afraid. Uh, and I think that is what is happening in that final scene is they're trying to take out this person who's probably the least likely to be afraid and the most likely to rise up and succeed um, mm. because he was a leader and then who woke up. Um, he, he led the violence. He knows how to use the guns, right? right? He knows right. how to pick out the people. He knows how to silence the music. And that's another piece. The, the the things or the people that he killed were the people who were playing music or singing. What does that say as well? Uh, the power oh. of music. Oh, that's yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. and and that being silenced. Um, he knows how to do it, and so when he wakes up, that's a dangerous cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. So. Wow. Woo. Janelle Austin, you have, uh, you've laid it out. You have laid it out. That is, wow. Wow, wow, wow. So the moral of the, the, moral of the story is, artists, wake up. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, man. Well, this is, this has been very enlightening. I, I have, yeah, it's got me thinking a lot, too. And, you know, asking the question, like, you know, where is is there a way out of the warehouse is, you know, is there what's on the outside? Right. But or the question of if we are stuck in the warehouse warehouse, how do we organize? What do we do? How do we respond? Um, how do we stop being oblivious? Um, how do we participate in the uprising and not just watch or ignore the uprising yeah um yeah. Uh, how do we how do we judge when it is time to run and when it was time to fight uh, and when you notice when he was dancing he had an entire crew around him people for miles when he was running there was nobody with nobody him. yep he was all by himself he was all by himself and you know what that the process of waking up is a lonely road. Yes. It is it is a lonely road because you realize just how many people are actually not with you. Because you are more fun, more entertaining, uh more more of what you you're feeding what they the people were craving when you were asleep. Um and then when you wake up and you realize it's not all fun and games, not everybody wants to wake up. Some people, <laughs> some yeah. people actually like the singing and dancing. Absolutely, right? Absolutely. And, and so they'll fall off. Your crew is gone when you wake up. Um, and so, and if you're stuck in that warehouse, the question is then. So, I, if I were to finish that video, the question is, and if I were the person that were running, is 
who do I run to, not where do I run to. Uh, because if it's one versus a mob, I've got no chances if we're stuck in this warehouse. But if it's us versus them, we, we can do something. <laughs> yeah. That's a good word. crying a witness for Michael Brown. Come on, man. 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 Come on,